And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Dr. Al Baker. He's an evangelist with Reformed Evangelistic Fellowship. Uh, Pastor Al, it's great to have you on today. Thank you, Dan. It's great to be with you as well, and Happy New Year to you. (laughs) Thank you. Same to you. Um, Al, we live in troublesome times. Um, There's a a lot of duress of soul going on right now for various reasons. And at times like this, we are especially reminded of our need for revival. And that is a great interest that you have. Um, I was looking over the number of books that you've written, and one is Essays on Revival, another has to do with Revival Prayer, and there's another one, Seeking a Revival Culture. So the Lord has laid this on your heart, and this is the need of the hour, that God's people will uh, seek the Lord. So can you, you... Talk to that a little bit today, and and maybe use as a basis your recent newsletter, uh, Forget None of His Benefits. Yes. Well, thank you, Dan. Yeah, that's been an interest of mine for many, many years. I remember as a young believer, one of the first uh, Christian books I read was um, a two-volume biography on George Whitfield, the great English evangelist of the 18th century, and the whole book is built on the revival, which we now call the Great Awakening in New England, especially, and uh, such, made such a powerful impact on my life that I've always uh, said that book's probably had more of an impact on me than anything besides the Bible itself. So uh, we do need revival desperately in our day, and, you know, thankfully, we have seen revivals. We, there's been many of them in our history, and mm. we certainly need one now. Um you know, we look at the the present situation, um, the political unrest, the division in our in our country. Um, what I would even call, and what some are calling, an ideological civil war. I certainly hope it doesn't get any worse than that. But there's a major uh, unrest, and you know, even the church is divided over the issues that have come up of late, mm. and so. This is a very, very difficult time, and I find it, uh, but I also find it a, an opportunity for God to do a great work. And I, I really come back to that passage that we all know so well, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Um, but before that, you know, uh, God is, is speaking through to Solomon, and He's telling him that uh, calamity's coming, but when calamity comes. My people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn away from their sin. Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will uh, heal their land. Mm. And so that's an amazing, it's an amazing passage. And some people try, I think, to discount it by saying, well, that was the Old Testament times, and that <laughs> and Israel was a theocracy, and so that doesn't apply today, and and uh, I would I would certainly say that it does not apply to a nation per se that uh, is is um, utterly godless, but I think it does apply. It says if my people, 
if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. So there's a lot of God's people in this country. So if God's people in this country will do what he says, then he promises three things. He tells us there's four things we have to do. And the first one is to humble ourselves. The second one is to pray. The third is to seek his face. And the fourth is to turn away from our sins. So when we humble ourselves, I think there's, there's two aspects to that. There's a what uh, one of the old uh, Puritan writers, uh, John Preston of the 17th century, said. He said there's a passive, uh, what he calls humiliation. And by that he means um, God brings calamity. Now, people don't want to hear don't really want to think of it like that. They'll say, well, God allows calamity. Or, uh, but so, but, but, and people are responsible for their sins. For, exa- you know, for example, 9-11, um, I believe the scriptures are clear. Isaiah 45 um, speaks of God being the one who brings calamity. Amos 3-6 says the same thing. But at the same time, these people who ran those planes into the uh, Twin Towers are responsible for what they did. So sure. it's 100% God and it's 100% man. So, <laughs> but God, God brings calamity, and um, but so that's a form of humiliation. So our nation has is being humbled by the events that's going on. The Church of Jesus is being humbled. Mm. It's a passive. It's a passive humility. Humiliation. It's come upon us. But it's nonetheless a trial. Now, uh, but what's got to happen also, John Preston talks about uh, an active humiliation. That is, we, God's people, must humble ourselves. And, and so the beautiful thing, Dan, is if we, will, if we will do these four things, then he promises, he promises to forgive our sins and to heal our land and so forth. That's what he promises to do. Mm. So uh, anyway, I think that's a great encouragement. In your travels, and today we're talking with Pastor Al Baker, do you find sometimes people don't want to admit that they're guilty, that they're sinners, that um, that they even need to humble themselves? Oh, yeah. I think I think all of us innately... Um, you know, have a problem with pride. Uh, I, you know, I yes. don't want people to tell me that I've done wrong, uh, and so um, and and yet, um, so pride is a very very prevalent uh, negative trait that we all tend to battle, and um, and so uh, <clears throat> what God will oftentimes do is He will, and it's in His mercy. It's it's what we might call a severe mercy. He brings these trials upon God's people that do humble us, that do bring us low. Now, the question is, what are we going to do with it? Mm. Are we going to say, okay, God, I see what you're doing. You're trying to get my attention. A.W. Pink, um, uh, the 20th century uh, writer, said that we should always ask ourselves when, when difficult things are happening to us, God, are you contending with me? Hmm. And sometimes he is, and sometimes he, it's not. Sometimes it's, it's for other reasons, but 
But God, in another Puritan, said that all of God's blows, that is, all of the hardships and difficulties that we go through, are love. Amen. Ultimately, ultimately, all that happens is because of God's love for us. So we have to humble ourselves. And by humiliation, an act of humiliation, what I think the Scriptures mean is, is that we come to grips with our sin. Mm. And we call it what it is. We don't just say, well, you know, I don't have a high-strung personality, therefore I tend to get angry in traffic, or I'm a really disciplined person, and when somebody messes with my schedule, I get irritated. No, <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's sin. Yes. You know, and we have to call it sin. And the beautiful thing, Dan, of course, is that when we confess our sins, God is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm. And Paul tells us in Romans 6 that God's grace is greater than our sin. Amen. So it behooves, uh, it, you know, it behooves us to confess our sin with, with a, what we might call contrition, with a deep grief over our sin, and he's quick to forgive when we do so. Amen. Amen. Once we enter this phase of active humiliation and we realize that we we must humble ourselves and come to grips with our sin then we feel the need to to talk with god to 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 pray mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit about prayer yeah i think uh i think that it's um very important that we that we pray with what i call a kingdom focus and um yes we can pray for our uh, food and our and when we're sick and so forth and uh, we pray for our family members and all of that of course we do but we should pray with a kingdom focus mm-hmm. that is what is God's primary purpose for this world and it's pretty clear in um, Psalm 96 and um, Psalm 63 Psalm 67 um, Ephesians chapter one uh, his purpose for this world is is the salvation of all his people to the praise and the glory of his grace. You see that again mm. in Revelation 5, every tongue, tribe, people, and nation. In Revelation 7, uh, you know, John has a vision of people that he can't even number from every right. tongue, tongue, tribe, people, and nation. So what we should understand is that we should be praying with this kingdom focus, even if we're uh, even if we have a loved one who's in the hospital, we should certainly pray for healing. But yeah, but it should be like this: Lord, would you heal my uncle uh, so that he might be able to be, as a believer, even more productive for your kingdom? Or, Lord, would you save? Would you heal my uncle in order that he might have time to repent and believe the gospel? You know, those are the kind of that's the kind of way we should pray. Mm. But um, but to go even further, I think to me. One of the most amazing examples of, uh, of this earnestness in what I call revival prayer is the Syrophoenician woman of Matthew 15, and there's also a parallel passage in Mark chapter 7. And um, we don't obviously have the time to go into the whole thing, but when you look at that woman, she, he was, she was a pagan, Syrophoenician. She was not Jewish, but she, but she said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, my daughter, is cruelly mm-hmm. demon-possessed. And, and what you see there, Dan, is um, four aspects of revival prayer. And we can learn from this woman. And the first one is 
she knew that the problem was darkness. Mm. It wasn't merely that her daughter had some problems, you know, and uh, was get maybe was ostracized by other kids at the school. That was not her. That was not her major concern. She says, "My daughter is cruelly demon possessed." Mm. She saw that the problem was demonic. Yep. And we've got to see that what's going on in our country and world is demonic. It's it's of the devil. This division, this strife, this immorality, the murder of the unborn, uh, it is demonic. And it's not merely a political issue on the right or the left. It's not merely some sociological thing. It is demonic. And we have to know what we're dealing with. So that's what the woman did. She she asked Jesus to heal her daughter because her daughter was demon-possessed. Amen. And then I think it leads you to the second part, which is fascinating to me, because Jesus did nothing. You remember in Matthew 5, Matthew 15, it makes clear, he, he was silent. He didn't do anything. <laughs> and it looks, it looks like he's being cruel, but he's not. He, there's, a, there's a method that he's using here. And what this did was it caused the woman to say, wait a second. If Jesus doesn't answer, if he doesn't do it, then I have no hope at all. That's right. So she, be- yeah, so she began to see her desperation. Not only that, but then those disciples began to say, Jesus, send her away. Tell her to leave. She's yelling at us. Well, I like to say, if you've got uh, young mothers in your audience, they'll know exactly what I mean here. If, they, if their little three-year-old daughter is sick, and uh, mm-hmm. you take her to the emergency room at 2 o'clock in the morning, and you're sitting there for three hours, and nobody seems to be able to get around to taking care of your three-year-old daughter who's got a high fever, sooner or later, mama's going to raise her voice and say, somebody help my child. That's right. That's what, you know, that's what mothers do. So she's raising her voice, you know, asking Jesus to heal. And so she realized, wait a second, if Jesus doesn't answer me, or if he listens to his disciples and sends me away, then I am desperate. I have no hope at all. So the second thing we've got to realize, first is darkness. The second is a sense of desperation. If Jesus does not show up through the power of the Holy Spirit and bring conversions and revival to this nation, we're doomed. That's right. We're not going to make it. No, that's so true. So true. Today we're talking with Pastor Al Baker, and uh, he's very familiar with revival and evangelism, and he sometimes preaches out in streets and on boardwalks. And Al, it's uh, it's amazing how the Lord has used you. Um, we were also talking about this thing of humbling, of prayer, and then seeking God's face. And you've already covered that in part. Is there anything else regarding seeking God's face that we should talk about? Well, yeah, I think that what you see, again, with that woman is, um, you know, Jesus says, uh, I, I was I was sent to the uh, lost sheep of the house of Israel. And uh, that's, kind of, again, sort of a put-off because she's a, a Gentile. But then she says, it says there that she implored Jesus and, she um, fell on her, on her knees, as it were, and said, Lord, help me. Mm. And uh, the, the, the seeking of the Lord is a, is, a, is a form of surrender. She was surrendering to Jesus. 
and uh, because she knew there was hope nowhere else because of the darkness and so mm. forth. So she surrendered, and, and I, I, I read a book recently that gave a great illustration of surrender. It's like this. It's like taking a piece of paper, putting it on your desk in the morning when you're having your private devotional time, and you sign your name to the bottom of the page. It's blank. There's nothing written on it. And what you're saying is, Jesus, here's my, here's my life today. I surrender to your will mm. and to your word for me today. And Jesus, you fill in the details. I'm not going to dictate what my day's supposed to look like. I mean, obviously, we all have our responsibilities. But Jesus, here's my life today. I surrender to you. And you know what's behind that, Dan, is it, it, when you really think about it, you're able to do that if you trust and believe in the goodness of God. Mm. He is a good God. And even when we have hard things happen, and we do have calamities happen to us, we lose loved ones and automobile accidents and horrible things happen, even in that context, he turns it for good to his people. That's, what happens is not good but he turns it to good. Mm. And so you're able to surrender when you say, you know, God is a good God. He's, he would not lead me astray. He would not give me something I couldn't handle. And so the, it gives you the motivation just say, okay, Lord, I surrender. I give, you, I give myself up to you today. And then what she did after that was so Jesus said, uh, well, it's not good to give the children bread to the dogs. And what he meant by that was, well, look, you know, dog, you know, you feed you feed your pet dog, but he takes his he waits his time his turn. You know, the kids <laughs> get food first. And uh, but she said, uh, yes, Lord, but it's it's uh, um, even the dog should be able to eat the crumbs that fall from the master's <laughs> table. And it's a beautiful picture of her faith. She had an unwavering faith, mm. and that's where we have to get it. We we trust him, no matter what happens. He's going to bring good from every situation. He's going to sum up everything in Jesus Christ. He's going to right all the wrongs. He's going to take us to heaven to be with him. He's going to give us a glorified body. We're going to live with him forever. That's the truth for God's people. So in the, in the context of living in this world, we can live with this sense of, of um, faith in God, prevailing prayer, faith, uh, just continuing to trust him. And I think if we do that, seeking him in that way, then if, and if we turn away from our sin, we don't probably have time to get into that today, but if we turn away from our sin, he promises to forgive our sins. Amen. And to heal our land. That's what he says. So we should hold on to that. Yes. That would be revival. Amen. You started talking to us about your own experience of coming across um, writings of George Whitfield of the Great Awakening, and um, another pastor friend of mine reminds me from time to time that it was very much a cause and effect in the formation of America, the United States of America. Um, if it wasn't for that Great Awakening, um, who knows what would have become of uh, 1776 and and America, uh, very much a cause and effect. And what you're talking about today, Al, where God responds to our humbling, our praying, our seeking his face, our turning from our sins, he he will hear us. This is this is not idle these are not idle words. He will 
He will pardon our sins. It's hard to believe, but it's all true. And he will heal our land. But when we do this, when we seek him, it's not because we want, we do want to heal our land, but we want him, right? I mean, our focus first and foremost is him. That's right. That's exactly right. And because, uh, you know, Jesus is the, the the pearl of great price, and we sell whatever we Amen. have to get him. And uh, and he's, uh, you know, he's the inestimable and glorious, all-powerful Savior. And so we, we want to delight in him above everything else. And if we have him, then we have everything that we need. Mm. And so, um, and, and I think that's a good word as we move forward, because uh, who knows what's going to happen down the road. I, I noticed getting gasoline here in Alabama this morning, the prices have already gone up. Oh yes, and, uh, you know. Uh, so I just don't know. I think I think we could be in for some hard times economically, and I know some of uh, your audience probably has already been going through hard times. They've lost their jobs through the sure. COVID nineteen pandemic and so forth, and it's a it's a hard time. And yet, um, this is a wonderful opportunity for God's people to love one another and serve one another and help those in need and. Um, and and help to help unbelievers in need as well to be able to share the gospel with them. So these are hard times, and yet God often works through those hard times to draw people to Himself. And you know, back in the 18th century, there were some very hard times back there. Uh, lots of lots of uh, uh, philosophies that were were contrary to God's word, and people saw death every day. I mean, children would die in infancy quite a bit, and everybody saw death, and so. That's another reason they were they were driven to Jesus because they knew that there was an eternity that they all faced, and so they were, they were much more cognizant, I think, of their of their need of Christ than perhaps people are today. So these yes. are these are times that God can use to draw people to Himself, and that should be the prayer of all of us. I think. Yes. We've got a couple of minutes left. I'm just going to read a list of books here that Pastor Al has written, dear listener, and that you can get a copy of. Uh, Under Obligation, Recapturing a Reformed Evangelistic Zeal, uh, Preaching at Pea River, Living in Light of Eternity, Evangelistic Sermons that were carried years ago on a Hartford, Connecticut radio station, and then Evangelistic Preaching in the 21st Century, Essays on Revival, In Wrath May God Remember Mercy, and then Revival Prayer, A Needed Paradigm Shift in Today's Church, and also Seeking a Revival Culture. And these are all written by Pastor Al Baker. Al, if someone would like to get a copy of one or more of these books, where could they go to get them? Well, the easiest thing to do is just to uh, go to Amazon.com and, uh, you know, put my name in there, Alan Baker, and uh, they'll all pop up there. That's the easiest <laughs> way to do it. Okay. So, so uh, I don't I don't carry books with me anymore. It's just easier just to, for people to go to go there to get them. So. Yeah. But, so. um and I'm working on another book. In fact, I finished it with another uh, open-air preacher friend of mine, so we're you know, doing the final touches of that one. So hopefully that'll be out in the next month or two. One last and, question. Uh, one last question, if I may. When you do this open-air pre- preaching, 
Do you ever feel like a get a like a gut um, gut feeling uh, of uh, fear or intimidation or anything like that, uh, or or what do you go through emotionally? Well, especially the first several times I, I preach in the open air, it, it is daunting. Uh, <laughs> I found it extremely daunting. I'm, I'm used to preaching behind the pulpit. And one funny story quickly is I, I did a, a, a conference a while back, but we're 10 street preachers and 10 pastors, and we told them we're going to go out and do street preaching, and the, and the pastors had a deer-in-the-headlight look. You know, it's like, well, <laughs> this is going to be tough. The next day we told the open-air preachers, they said, well, there's nothing for us to do in a ball game today, so we're going to go to the chapel, and you're going to preach behind the pulpit. They had the deer-in-the-headlight look, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's just it's what you're, it's what you're accustomed yes. to, I think. Yes, but uh, now I always tell people that, that to me there's nothing like it uh, because you are people perceive you as a fool, and uh, you 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 have to trust him completely. You don't know what's going to happen. You're exalting Jesus, and there I know there's a lot. Maybe some of your audience says, "Well, I've heard some street preachers. These guys are terrible." Well, there are some bad guys out there. That's just sure. like anything. But the guys I hang out with love Jesus, and they, they lift up Jesus. It's not political. It's not hate speech. They love Jesus, and we're lifting him up. So um, I love doing it. Yes. Um, and it's, uh, it's a, it's, to me, it's the, the, the greatest joy uh, in this world, to me, is to preach Christ uh, in the open air. It's a wonderful, mm. wonderful experience. One of your websites is pefministry.org. Is that still a valid site? I think it's called refglobal.org now. Okay, there we go. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Ref Global. Very good. Yeah. So. Well, Pastor Al Baker, thank you very much for joining us today. And may the Lord have mercy upon us as individuals and upon this country and provide vast healing. Thank you so much for joining us. Amen, Dan. Thanks so much, and look forward to uh, talking with you again sometime. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. Of all your shame, there in your wilderness, He's waiting for you. Worship Him with your wounds, for He's wounded too. He's wounded too, yeah. Worship Him with your wounds, for He's wounded too. Come worship Him with your wounds, for He's